The Carolina Outdoors is now in session. Attention everyone as we talk about the different opportunities and adventures available in our Carolina Outdoors. Your host each week are right here on that side. Hey, it's Wes Lawson. And on this side, it's Bill Barty. And Wes, so many people are going out for hikes and mm-hmm. backing the boat in for a little bit of fishing on our area lakes. Of course, fall wakes up so many different opportunities than the other seasons. We're going to have some upcoming conversations about the leaf change that we're all ready to Mm -hmm. celebrate and that is uh, right upon us. And we're going to find out some different hiking trails that are upcoming. So stay tuned for upcoming segments and episodes in regards to that. But here in our local community, we have quite a bit of treasures that we uh, that we call on here on the Carolina Outdoors to learn a little bit more about. And one of them is located down in Matthews, downtown Matthews. And it is a wealth of opportunity and a wealth of knowledge available to the entire community. And we're going to step into that a little bit because the 122-year-old Renfro's Hardware and General Merchandise is mm. down there. And we've got David Blackley on the Carolina Outdoors to find out what fall treats are in store for those of us heading down to Renfro's. David, welcome to the Carolina Outdoors. Great to talk to you all again. Great to hear your voice. Well, it's always great to hear yours. Of course, we know your story because you have shared it over at Jesse Brown's Storytellers Night. Um, You were able to share the story growing up with Renfro's. But here that we are in October and, and the cooler temperatures are here in the morning and many people may be packing up some of their hardware supplies or maybe their gardening supplies or maybe their uh, urban agricultural supplies, but maybe they shouldn't. Tell us what October brings into the hardware and farm realm for those of us in this community. October is much like September. It's a busy month. There is so much you can do outdoors, and we, we get a lot of new gardeners or new lawn people and for the gardeners we tell them that the the fall and winter garden is the easiest garden you can grow if you have bad memories of having to (laughs) shell butter beans and canned tomatoes all in august with your grandparents this is not that kind of garden and there's so much you can do and we can talk about as much as you want in in your raised beds or in your pots or in your flat garden and there are less bugs there are less weeds and it's not so hot But it's a different kind of food than what you're thinking about as far as squash and tomatoes. And then on the lawn side, for folks that aren't used to living around here, which there seem to be a lot of them moving in, fall is the time to renovate and prep up your lawn, whether it's putting out more seed or fertilizing or liming. And then we've got these little boxes that you send off to to the state to get your soil tested. It's a free service this time of year. And it's kind of like getting your blood work done when you go to the doctor. If you get your soil tested, you're not quite so in the dark as what you've got. But I tell you, we've been busy. It's just it's been a really busy and a good fall, and everybody's happy and just glad to be outside. Well, we're talking a little bit about urban farming, and and tell us how different or how similar here we are in 2022 as compared back to 1900 when Matthews was a true farming community. Now, Matthews is, I don't know, 30,000-plus people, plus you're pulling from the surrounding community, including people in Charlotte that are coming to Renfro's. 
and they are gardening and farming. How similar yeah, is it we, to the way it started way back when? Well, a lot of things don't change at all. A lot of the varieties of seeds we've got are the same varieties that would have been sold 100 or 125 years ago. Certainly, um, the uh, the methods of growing haven't changed a whole lot if you're just a regular flat gardener. So somebody coming in here that was hadn't been around in 50 years would recognize a whole lot. A lot more people do plant by plants now. That's sort of a, a, a cheap way out, but it's also a, a way of getting an instant garden. Most people used to plant by seeds even 30 years ago. Um, most people gardened for, for, for real for food 100 years ago when you said 125. But the last decade or so, people are gardening for their health. They're gardening for real clean food that they know where it is and where it's come from and what's been sprayed on it. And we've just seen such an explosion in new kinds of foods to grow, things we never heard about growing up. You and I have never would have heard about arugula or broccoli <laughs> or, you know, we just take turnip greens and collard greens. But there's so much you can grow now. The Asian vegetables are really nice and uh, shallots are something new. If you haven't ever learned to grow shallots, you certainly ought to grow those. They're a lot milder. So that's the, been the changes. It's just been a broadening, and, and um, it's really it's it's the same. You, you got to. It takes just as long to grow a green bean or a grow a turnip as it did 125 years ago. So you've got to have the same amount of patience that your grandparents did. Now the seeds that you offer are different than what somebody might get at a big box kind of store or garden center how are well, they different and, and, and why you know why do you stick with what you do well the seeds have been a real challenge the last couple of years for sure just getting enough and getting them on time but everything we have and there are there are hundreds of varieties of flowers and vegetables would be non-genetically modified non-gmo that's pretty standard across the board for retail probably 99 percent of them are heirloom meaning they they reproduce themselves, and those are the ones I mentioned earlier that your grandparents would recognize the same mm-hmm. variety. Purple top turnip is the same purple top turnip your great grandparents grew. So, and then a lot of what we get are in big bulk bags, and my wife is just the one that's just the master at breaking them down into ounce packages or pound packages or quarter ounces. So we, we make up a lot of ours and then have packages too. The packages have the directions on them for newbie gardeners. And they're all fresh. We're very much a stickler about that. And the state does come around and inspect, but uh, everything is, is fresh and current every day for us. And there's not a day we don't sell seeds. There's no seasonality to seeds or to plants here where we are. Earlier you mentioned um, raised beds. It seems like in the last few years raised bed gardening has become much more common. Um, how is that different, or is it any different than typical kind of small patch gardens people would have in their backyard uh, raised beds are great for certain kinds of gardening they they um well, one thing you don't have to stoop as people get older it's a little closer you're not walking on it so you raise it up fill it for your your soil and your compost and typically in the winter it's raised up to where the sun hits the side of the box and sort of warms the soil a little more than it would if it were flat on the ground and it it allows you to be more methodical in where you plant and how you space. So every year you can say, okay, I fit three tomatoes in here and 10 turnips in here or whatever. So it's, it's, it's good for type A gardeners, hmm. whereas 
a lot of the type B gardeners say you can fit more in a crooked row than you can a straight row. They're, they're the other kind of gardeners that just sort of sling things out and plant on the ground. They both had advantages. At our, at our little farm that we grow vegetables for, we have some raised beds, some flat beds, and then some beds we raise up with the tractor, so it's kind of a hybrid of raised beds. And there are, there are pluses and minuses to all of it. But I would encourage people, if they haven't ever gardened, to at least find a sunny spot in the yard and just dig a hole like you're burying a dog or a cat or a cow or something, however big you want to make your hole, and then throw that same soil back in and just plant. Just try something. You can't go wrong. We've planted for a 1,000 years without having raised beds, so it doesn't mean you've got to spend a lot of money. Just plant. Now, so you know, I feel like Renfro is known for a lot of different things, and certainly this expertise on seeds and plants. But squarely front and center on that website is the Chick Report. Talk to us about yeah. those 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 the chicks that you have and the draw that that chickens, especially chicks, have for families, especially. Well, people get chicks to have eggs, and and so you're raising a flock of egg layers that way you have fresh eggs and you have eggs that you know where they came from and know how old they are and it's just one different way that people take advantage of their backyard they can raise chicks chickens chicks of course in the spring they can do chickens they can do vegetables herbs are a big deal you can dry herbs and have them year-round uh certainly fruit trees this is coming up on the season of having Blueberries and pomegranates and all that are be coming in. So there, there are things you plant in the fall, but you can have chickens and chicks in amongst all of that, uh, just the way people have done for for many years. And David, here in the Carolinas, with chicks or at that part hens, when does when do they stop laying? I know, um, and I learned this from you uh, actually that lack of sunlight and the cooler temperatures that a lot of times the hens will go silent and quit laying. When is that timetable in effect? Well, the thing to remember is every egg is an ovulation. So they ovulate more than humans do. They ovulate daily in the, in the long days, in the summer days, and then they slow down when they get maybe less than 14 hours of light. It might be every two or three days. And then they'll start picking up again around valentine's day and they'll lay real well through the spring and the summer then as they get to be two or three years old they begin to lay less but they lay bigger eggs so the big eggs you see the large and extra large those are typically coming from older hens that's sometimes why they cost more is because those hens have been fed longer and then you get a bunch of hens like my wife's hens that are just freeloaders and they're in what we call (laughs) hennepals they're not ovulating anymore they're just eating bugs and scratching up the garden and having a good time. So about three years or four years is what you can expect a pretty good backyard flock laying time to be. And for everybody who's thinking about getting chickens, will you dispel the myth about what time of day the rooster crows? <laughs> they just crow kind of when they want to. It is <laughs> it is more in the morning, but it's not necessarily three or four in the morning. Ours at home, we don't even hear them as much, but ours behind the store, we have a little flock here in the cage behind the store. He crows every time the roost, the train comes by or a fire truck. <laughs> and, and and a lot of times when a nice-looking lady walks by, he'll crow too. So he just crows any time, and, and it's, it's really just their manhood. I, 
Uh, they do they do crow in the morning before the sun comes up, but it's it can be any time of day. Not everybody in my neighborhood believes that, and they all have <laughs> they all have very talkative uh, hens and roosters. It's always fun. We've got David Blackley. A lot of time. Uh, We've got David Blackley here on the Carolina Outdoors with West Austin Bill Barty. He is from Renfro Hardware and General General Merchandise there in downtown Matthews, North Carolina, 122 years. And, of course, earlier, uh, quick correction, David, I didn't expect you to uh, know how it was 120 years ago because you weren't there then, but you've been there quite a long time, and you have seen the the change in the people and the town as it has grown and continues to grow. Renfro's has been a big part of that. Now, oftentimes we'll get Chief Meteorologist uh, Al Conklin onto the program uh, from WBTV to, to talk the science of weather. And what we're about to do, David, is we're going to ask you, the farmer's science of weather to see if you have uh, been in that persimmon pit at all and if you can tell us what kind of upcoming winter that we may be looking forward to. Yeah, I've cut open I've cut open four persimmon pits the other day and when you slice it kind of like you do a watermelon, you slice it half, there's a little white part inside the seed that's sort of an embryonic part and it's usually three shapes. And this year's shape is just a long, slim line. So that's called the knife. That means it's going to be a cold, windy, biting weather, but not much precip. Sometimes it's a, it's a little knife with a with a bulb on the end that looks like a spoon. And that literally does look like a spoon. And that means you're going to be shoveling snow. <laughs> well, I don't believe we're going to be shoveling much snow around here this year. And then sometimes it's a fork. It's the little slim line with three prongs on the end, or it looks like prongs. And that means it's not going to be very cold. It's going to be mild, and it's like shoveling snow with a pitchfork. You won't need it. So looks like we're going to have a cold, biting winter. And the amount of white oak acorns that are falling also tells me it's going to be a colder winter. So the deer are fattening up. You know, Bill, it's a good thing all those fleece jackets and down jackets uh, have shown up at Jesse Brown's if it's going to be a cold, <laughs> biting winter. That's uh I'm glad for oh, yeah. all of that. And the only place you can get them is Jesse Brown's. So you better hurry before they run out. That's well, right. Look at that. That's There's right. only one place. <laughs> and speaking of getting something, and David, I don't want to put you on the spot, but uh, at Jesse Brown's, we get a lot of inquiries about live bait, about hmm. uh, whether it be earthworms, crickets, for whether it be for we get it for fishing but whatever other reason that people may be after live bait does renfro still have worms crickets we exited that a, a few months ago because our bait guy yep it was a family business and one of them passed away and he was retirement age and he couldn't find anybody to take it over so he retired and we tried a couple of others and their service was so poor and quality was so poor that we, we are at a loss right now. We've always carried worms, wigglers, and, and nightcrawlers, and uh, crickets. And it's just another thing of the past that's going away. The supply chain issues have been so hard in the last two or three years. And it's, and it's not completely these new bait guys' fault, too. Sometimes they couldn't get the containers to put them in. Yep. But um, – we had a really good local bait person that had been in Charlotte for about 60 or 70 years, three generations or so, and 
they've retired out of it. So we're kind of at a loss right now. It's sad. Don't worry. We got you covered with the artificial over at Jesse Brown. So no worries there. We can still do That's artificial. Right. We just can't do the live bait. And uh, I do have one more question because this well, also. You know, there's, really what you got to learn to do is just to go out to your compost pile, which everybody should have, and dig your own worms. We would have never dreamed of buying worms when we were growing up as kids. We knew where to dig them. That's, that's what we really got to get back to, just make you a worm bed. And for our listeners out there, this is just one of the things that you can learn at Renfro Hardware uh, so that you are prepared for, for all things, whether it be growing, whether it be catching, and everything in between. One more question I have, because we get uh, some inquiry about this, what happens with uh, with beehives and, and local honey and that sort of thing during the winter months? Is that something that keeps on kicking, or is that a seasonal thing that happens? Bee, bees typically live through the winter. If the beekeeper takes good care of them, they don't take honey off the hive this time of year. They leave the collection that they've gotten in the last few months for them to live on over the winter, and sometimes you, you've got to feed them some sugar water. But uh, there are a few things you can do, like go in and put a new queen in, and sort of like they did in England to get a new monarch. But ah. you can requeen your hive, or you can you can uh, close up the entrance where it's a little bit smaller. But they they typically get through the winter just fine. And a lot of times you'll see them come out of the hive on a January, February day. We get those sixty or sixty five degree days when you want to go fishing. Yes, that's when the bees come out. So in this part of the country, they they live through the winter. David, is there anything we left out before we send everybody over to RenfroHardware.com for more information on the store, but also on the farm as well? Anything else that we need to cover? Well, just remember, there's something in your garden, at least. There's something to plant every day of the year and something to harvest and eat every day of the year. It's not seasonal. It's year-round. It's like getting on the merry-go-round. Once you're on it, you're on it. And if you like a lawn... We like to encourage people, don't go for the A-plus long. Go for about the B-minus or the C-plus, and you'll be just as happy, and you'll save a lot of money, and you'll be really better for the environment because then you'll have the, the flowers of the weeds in your lawn that the honeybees like. If you got clover and dandelions, in my eyes, that's a beautiful lawn. <laughs> Maybe and, not in the neighbor's eyes. And plus, you'll have a little bit more time for other outdoor recreational pursuits, too. So, um, well, words... your chickens won't, you, they won't eat any of that chemical you put out on your yard. So, that's the main thing. Don't poison your chickens. Words of advice from David Blackley. Listen, thank you so much. We encourage everybody to go out and check out the website. Check out the store. It's Tuesday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. But RenfroHardware.com is always open. Words of wisdom, advice, helping us newbies get along as well in the garden. David, thank you for your time here on the Carolina Outdoors. Thank you, Wes. Thank you, Bill. In all seriousness, what you all do, over the air at BT is just remarkable, really. It's 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 such a service to the community and your little talks. If nobody's ever gone to that, they need to come to those little storytellers. It's just a, a, a jewel in the city of Charlotte. Well, stay tuned for the next date on that, and thank you for sharing your story and your time. Um, we look forward to seeing you again and talking to you again here on the Carolina Outdoors. All righty, let's get outdoors. I'm going camping with my scout troop next weekend. I can't wait. Ah, see you later. You heard it there. Off he goes and off we go. But we're going to come back and wrap up the Carolina Outdoors right after these messages.